0: You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 116, featuring special guest, Broadway vet, Kate Loprest. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, The Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show can i let you in on a little secret thriving on social media does not have to be as daunting as it sounds so let me help you with my brand new online course the essential guide to instagram for actors you'll learn all my insider tips into defining your brand creating high quality content increasing your engagement and building a following on instagram Take it from someone who started on social media completely from scratch in 2017 and built an empire of over 10,000 loyal followers. If I can do it, so can you. As a special thank you for listening today, you will get 30% off your purchase of the course by going to actorestheticcom Instagram and using the code PODCAST30. Can't wait to see you all shine on Instagram. My friends, I am so excited for you to hear this episode today because it features a chat with one of my dear friends, Kate Loprest, and I think you're going to learn a lot from it. This is someone whom I respect and admire and have done so for the past 10 years because Kate and I originally met when my sister was on tour with The Little House on the Prairie, the musical. That was 10 years ago they were in the show together, and since then, Kate has gone on to perform in over five Broadway shows. If you want to learn what it takes to have a long-term career in the theater industry, listen to Kate's story. Among her many credits include her time on Broadway in the original cast of First Date, Hairspray, Wonderland, Xanadu, and The Drowsy Chaperone, as well as an appearance in the Chicago company of Wicked. Lots of solid insight and wisdom in this episode. So without further ado, please sit back relax and enjoy our chat. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. This is, I just have a good feeling about this one. This is going to be
1: fun. I'm so excited because I've (laughs) known you since you were a kid. Weird. It's weird. And I love it though. Like it's my favorite part. We met on the little house on the prairie tour when your little sister was on the tour And I really got to know both your grandparents. Like, I know your family. We went apple picking and we came to your house. God, they love you so much. Grandma Helen and Grandpa Bruce. And I have... (laughs) such dear memories of them, because if I had been in Taylor's situation, my grandparents would have come with me for sure. They would have been out there with me. There were times when I was a kid working as an actor in Chicago and my parents couldn't be there for whatever reason. So my grandparents would come and sit on set with me or my grandpa would drive me downtown for the audition. So I know that. I would have, they would have been on tour with me. And so seeing Taylor and your grandparents on tour, like I just have such dear fond memories.
0: You know, what's so sweet though, is that it was never a question whether or not they were going to go on tour with her. Our grandparents used to bring us all over the place for performances, auditions, and grandpa Bruce, especially because he used to work in the city. So he was- great he was a great companion he learned a lot very quickly about the theater industry and it's just so sweet even now mm-hmm. i have these virtual theater i have a group of friends who meet every monday and we read a different play uh, oh, over zoom yeah. and he joins
1: us stop it stop
0: yes he does he joins us and it's so sweet but he really loves it because he has so much respect for what you do and he learned so much
1: on that tour so they're the best they're lovely people and i'm i feel like considering that a lot of little house on the prairie is about family i got i got a family from you that did. experience
0: mm-hmm. when was little house because this was
1: this had to have been like what 10 years ago at this a decade point? ago Wow. Um, cause the tour finished, cause I closed Hairspray on January four, two 2009. Mm. Why that sticks in my head. I don't know. I well, was Hairspray, Hairspray your Broadway debut? No, it was the first time I played a lead in a Broadway show. Okay. So I literally, maybe, you know, the story, maybe you don't. I was at Xanadu. I was a swing at Xanadu. Oh my gosh.
0: That's right. I forgot about that.
1: Mm-hmm. So I was a swing at Xanadu, got hired to play Amber Von Tussle in Hairspray on Broadway. And (laughs) this was in 2009 when the economy crashed and everything was closing all of a sudden. So on the, I was set to, so I was in Xanadu during the day or at at night and whatever and rehearsing for Hairspray during the day, like doing two different Broadway shows at the same time, which I've never done before is a golden opportunity. And that was really a really special experience. I had my put-in and I went in to hairspray on a Friday, meaning I stopped working at Xanadu on a Thursday. On the Monday before, the producers took the cast on a yacht boat ride around Central Park in the fall. It was so beautiful. Ah. We had lobster. We drank champagne. We saw the Statue of Liberty. On Tuesday, they came into work and told us that the show was closing this was probably in September, it did not last until the winter. So I think maybe like September, October, and I was leaving two days later. <laughs> and I kind of like slowly backed away. Cause I know that all people were feeling all the terrible feelings. It never feels good. It's like a pit in your stomach. It's, your throat gets tight and you just, n- no matter what. Um, but I was literally leaving the show two days later to go wow. to another Broadway show. I was also in the show that week because somebody was out of town or something was going on. So I, I was in Xanadu on Thursday night on Broadway. On Friday, my parents and I took my stuff from the Helen Hayes and walked it <laughs> to where Hairspray was on 52nd Street. We walked like literally, like college, like, like my, my last life. Cleaners. Seriously, like my dorm life of living as a swinging Xanadu, uh-huh. tucked away in a corner for almost a year, walked it to the theater, and I had a put in and I went in that night into hairspray. It was nuts. I, I still had glitter on me from Xanadu.
0: How long was your time at, at hairspray before you? <laughs> and then did- two weeks
1: later, hairspray got our notice. <laughs> You think you're safe. So, you got
0: the notice for hairspray. Mm-hmm. How did that all tie into Little House?
1: Oh, right. How we started this conversation. <laughs>
0: yeah. Because I'm curious because, were you in auditions for that as well? If so, that's insane.
1: No. no. <laughs> okay. So, no. So, so. Hairspray closed January four, 2009. So I started the auditioning game again. This mm-hmm. is what we do. And actually I went to Dallas to do a show called Sarah Plain and Tall, yes. um, that was written, um, by, uh, Larry O'Keefe.
0: Wow.
1: And, yeah. Larry and Nell wrote the music for that. It's a beautiful show. Yeah. It was great. Um, and I'm in a corset running around on stage doing Sarah Plain and Tall, and I'm like hashtag never again. <laughs> and I get a call about Little House on the Prairie, so I have to put myself on tape in Texas. Mm-hmm. Little House on the Prairie, and at the time I was like I don't really want to go on tour. I've got a serious boyfriend. That didn't work out, but um, so I put myself on tape in Texas that they want to see me again. So we finish if we finish Sarah Plain and Tall. We fly back to New York because the show had ended. Mm I, I, the next day I, I, I have a callback for little house on the prairie at Chelsea studios. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So West 26th street around there. Yeah. Around there. My agents were on West 25th at the time. Uh I leave the callback. I walk around the block to West 25th to say hi to them. And they've already called to offer me the tour. So it was 2009. Wow. So it was two thousand nine and we we closed the tour in June of two thousand ten. But yeah, that was um that was that was a decade ago now.
0: Holy crap. So take me back to let's rewind a little bit because this is fascinating to me. Because okay, so you grew up in in the Chicago area. Yes. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the north shore of Chicago. Yes. Amazing
1: Deerfield, Illinois.
0: How did you get involved in theater initially?
1: There is a huge arts community in Chicago, as you know. Oh, yeah. Particularly on the North Shore of Chicago. Um, And I feel like it's a similar vein with, with teaching. You know, these teachers that would teach dance classes for the park district we're also choreographers and mm. professional choreographers or professional teachers or whatever and it all kind of came out of either the park district or the small regional theater in the town over highland park illinois the theater was called apple tree theater and all the arts educators kind of came and went from these two places um so when i Took class. I met them, and I liked mm-hmm. working with them, and it was it was a fun thing to do. I was a kid taking you know hip hop and jazz in the nineties with you know flared black flare <laughs> pants. Remember those black um, flare pants and jazz know. shoes, jazz yeah, sneakers, black jazz shoes. So sexy <laughs> right now. The bigger the bell, the better. There was this camp during the summer that all those teachers also worked at. It was called Summerstock. Little little did I know, and it was run through uh, this regional theater. And every summer you would audition and you put on a play. Um, and I was like, oh, this is great. So I'll start taking more class. As I got older, I'll start taking more classes through this theater, through their offerings. And they ended up having something called the traveling troupe, which was a big thing to be involved in in the nineties for children between like fifth and eighth grade. You rehearse or practice on Friday nights and Saturday afternoons, and you are You kind of, based on your availability, go out into the community, you're hired to sing at this party or go sing at the zoo during zoo lights, during the holiday season and that kind of stuff. We weren't paid to do it. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a thing that we did. But from there, Apple Tree Theater's traveling troupe, they started to source young talent for their main stage productions. Okay. They also did, you know, young audience theater. They did a lot of number, the stars and stuff like that. So that's kind of the funnel from taking class to getting involved with the theater and then being asked to kind of, Hey, you know, we're doing a main stage production. Do you want to audition for the main stage production? And in 1999, They did a production of Violet, which was Janine Tesori Violet that Sutton Foster did on Broadway a number of years ago, but it had just happened in New York. And Apple Tree Theater was really good about trying to source the newer, smaller shows. Uh, They asked if I wanted to audition for Young Violet, and I did, and I got it. I had to miss school, to go to Mm. rehearsal, and I had to dye my hair. Hair is still dyed blonde. You are all welcome. (laughs) And um, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of living this I was 15, I think I said that um, this double life of like going to school, um, but then, you know, going off to rehearsal, or as time progressed, I got an agent, people saw me, um, and I would, you know, go to auditions in the afternoon. And like we said, my grandpa would drive me because my mom was my mom couldn't make it. And um, yeah, I started having a bit of a, a double life.
0: Yeah. And then I guess from that point forward, was there ever a decision for you whether or not to go to college for musical theater? Like, was there a point where you wanted, where you thought I should just keep pursuing this professionally? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know,
1: it never was like, forget college. I always wanted a college experience. Um, Where I grew up, it's like, you go to college. 99% of people go to college, period. Mm -hmm. Um, And you go because you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor, that kind of thing. (laughs) Nobody had people. Um, people went for um, they went for voice. They went for acting. They went for dance. I was the first person who's like, I want a musical theater conservatory type program. Okay. And the um, college counselor at our school had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. She had never. She's like, well, Indiana University has a great dance program, and we were like, no. Oh, I wanted. So Michigan was really my only conservatory choice program because it's the only one I knew. I didn't know anything about Carnegie Mellon. I didn't know anything about CCM. I didn't know that these things existed. The woman who played older Violet in Violet, her name is Lisa Dats, was a graduate of the University of Michigan. And Brent Wagner, who was the head of the musical theater department for all those years, came to Chicago to see her in the show. And he said, yes, yeah, the kid's good. The kid he would never call me that you know um she's you know the young actress is is is, is quite good she has great potential um I'm sure he said something like that and he said <laughs> "Yeah, she should consider auditioning for our program and Lisa did and that was it wow that literally was it if if I had not if I had not gone to Michigan I would have been in Indiana University which where you now can do your own make your own musical theater right. program they have amazing people coming out of IU so that I either would have done that or I might have been at Belmont University in Nashville doing like recording. I truly believe that
0: you end up exactly where you're meant to be, especially when it comes to college. Exactly auditions. what I. Do you ever look back and think, how did University of Michigan prepare me for longevity in the theater industry?
1: I would not be who I am at all without If I ever win a Tony Award, I'm going to have to give it to the University of Michigan. I, other than the amazing training that I got there, I became who I am at that university. I didn't know that other people like me in the world existed. I didn't know that ever that other people knew all the words to the Jellicle song <laughs> <laughs> and all the choreography to Cassie to Cassie's dance when you were fifteen years old. <laughs> I didn't know that other people in the world existed like that until my college audition. And there've been a couple times in my life where you're like I'm a weirdo, I'm a weirdo, I don't fit anywhere and I walked into a room where other people knew exactly what was what I was talking about and I was like, "Oh, I'm not an ugly duckling, I'm a swan." Mm. That was one of the first times I was in a sorority. I um, didn't spend all my time in the conservatory, but if I hadn't met all those people, then I wouldn't have been the person that I became with the instincts and knowledge and well that I had walking into New York when I was 22. And I tell everybody, you have to have as many experiences as possible because Mm -hmm. they make you a unique and authentic person. And putting that into your work is what sets you apart from everybody else. Everybody can sing Vanilla Ice Cream. It's about you and your instincts singing it. It's yes. an, and, and how you feel about, the, it's about the story that you make up.
0: Especially experiences outside of your training, outside of your your voice lessons and dance classes and all that stuff. It's, it's way more than just that.
1: Take the trip, yeah. take a different class, learn something different from other people yeah. because someday your favorite hobby, being an actor, Being a musical theater actor is going to be your job. And that's something different. Hmm. We got to find other things that we do, that we love, that we cherish, and that we're passionate about. Yep. Especially in this time. So talk to me
0: about your transition then from, from University of Michigan to the real world. Did you immediately go to New York or did what, what was your process?
1: So I graduated in, from Michigan in about March. You know, we have a senior showcase that right. everybody's crazy about, the Michigan Senior Showcase. And I had some agents that were interested in me. And the first thing that happened is I decided I was going to stay in New York for four days. Nobody told me I should plan to stay longer. So I would go to these agent meetings and they'd be like, cool, when can we see you again and have a follow-up meeting? And I was like, what are you talking about? I had just graduated from the University of Michigan. Nobody told me to stay longer than four days. Oops, I ended up staying 10, Mm -hmm. um, you know, crashing literally on somebody's air mattress, which by the way, used to deflate every single night. It was highly uncomfortable. Welcome to New York. But um, so I stayed for 10 days and uh, I definitely had some agents that were interested in me and I didn't know what to do. And it literally took getting on a plane and flying away for me to decide which agency I wanted to be with. Okay. Yeah. Because, you you know, you get in your head and Yeah. Let's just say that that was a really overwhelming time for me. <laughs> yeah, because,
0: I mean, what do you suggest now that you know this information? Because this is a no-fault to college programs. This is something very particular to experience in the mm-hmm. industry. This is just... You don't know this happens. You don't know exactly how an agent meeting is gonna go or what that information, like what that time period between, right after you do your showcase, how long you're supposed to say, you just don't know until you experience it.
1: Here's what I will say about it. I also graduated in 2005. This was a very long time ago. I had to get a phone service because they told us that agents would not want our want to, want to call us on our cell phones because it was like too expensive or something. I had a black and white headshot and a calling service that you call and be like, like let's honestly manage expectations. Number one, th- there are some people in my class that got lots of agent appointments. There's some that got a few. There's some that got none.
0: Yeah.
1: If you're going... To stay after your showcase, be prepared to take a meeting. And in that meeting, be prepared to talk to people about what you want. Who do I want to be represented by? What other talent is here at this agency that I look up to, that I align myself with? Where do you see me fitting into your roster? How many people are here? You got to do the work. I'm still doing that kind of work, looking at rosters and going, oh, well, I'm a little bit competitive with that person, so it might not work out, or, um, oh, they don't seem to have someone like me, so I might fit in here. Get online, try to do the work. I know not every agency has their whole roster online, um, but that's something that you can do. But be prepared to answer questions about what you want and to ask them about themselves. It's a job interview. And you're going to be working together. And frankly, they're going to be working for you. Yep. People forget that. Your agents and managers work for you. So they're interested in your talent and you're looking to hire. I would say be prepared to stay at least a week knowing that there's the possibility that you may have to stay longer. What if you sign with an agent right away and they're like, great, how long are you sticking around? I want to send you in for this, this, and this also another possibility. So wherever you're going to be, make sure that it's a, a place that it can be a little bit fluid with the time frame. Now I had to get out of there because I had this thing called work. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had, I had a summer season to go to. <laughs> I had I had to go to a job that I you know made two hundred dollars in in at the Wagon Wheel Theater in Warsaw, Indiana, which was the best job I've ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> still is it really is the best job I ever had. I miss it so much. Um, I go back there and I kiss I kiss the stage floor. I, I'm a little weird about it. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, Kate's back. Can't do it now. <laughs> COVID. Don't look the floor. Um, not like we can be in a theater anyway. So um, manage expectations. Take it for the experience of being in New York. What if you finally get to New York and you walk around for two weeks and you're like, this place sucks. I don't like it here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also the fact that maybe you don't want to be in New York, which people don't talk about. Maybe you want to be in Minneapolis. Fantastic theater scene. Huge. So many theaters. Maybe you want to be in Chicago. Awesome. Let me tell you. That's where I'm from. Maybe you want to be in Texas. Lots of theaters there. Florida. Florida too. Yeah. Florida. Great, great theaters in Florida and opportunities to work at Disney. Keep an open mind. Be prepared for the best and the worst.
0: What does that say? Oh, yeah.
1: That's my tarot card. (laughs) I pulled a tarot card. I pull tarot cards for myself. Read it. Read it to us. The, this The So this is an Oracle card, not a tarot card. This is a little bit different, but this one says the dream always comes disguised as the nightmare. And that also works the other way. So here I am living my dream in New York and maybe you get there and you're like, this is a nightmare.
0: And so if you are someone who is, who has their senior showcase and you go to New York and say, you don't get uh, any agent meetings or anything like that. Then what do you suggest, Kate? Because there's, there's also the opposite end of the spectrum of managing your expectations. Mm-hmm. Is that something where you, is it something where you might need to explore the city? Take that time for yourself?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Go explore the world. Become a student of the world. Yeah. Go to the Met. Go to Central Park. Go to the Bowery Museum. Go see the Statue of Liberty. Go do All the stuff that you should do. And on top of which, if you want to, and you're feeling up to it, sign up for an audition, put your feet on the floor, get, get to work. That's what you're there for. Mm. I went to New, I finally got to New York after my summer stock at Wagon Wheel in August. And I had an agent and I was still at open calls every week, maybe not every day, but every single week. And they were like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, cause this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. And other people got agents and they're like, well, I don't go to open calls. I don't have to. Cause I have an agent. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. we're nobody. Our job right now is for people to get to know us.
0: Yeah. You're fresh out of college. You're fresh. Everybody off Boys and Nobody girls, listen up!
1: you're fresh out of school, you're green, you're golden. And that time wanes. Mm. It is short and fleeting. Go meet as many people as you can. Say yes to everything and have an open mind. Just go. Get your butt in the room. I don't care who you are, how important you are, or what college program you graduated from. Get your feet on the ground. And get a part-time job. Yeah. Get a, so get was, off my lawn. Get a what job.
0: What kind of what kind of uh what kind of jobs had you had over the years? Oh kind of part-time jobs.
1: Lay <laughs> them on me. This is a wonderful question, actually. <laughs> um, my first job in New York City was I passed out f- CDs in Times Square. You did. Um, I did. I was a CD passer outer for a new Broadway show called In My Life and um, they hired this army of freshly graduated beautiful young people to go out and try to hand out free cds on the streets for the broadway shows and at intermission but it was like everybody that had just graduated from all these programs together i'm still so i ended up working with all these people i'm still friends with all these people these are people that also went to michigan with me we would like hang out at starbucks you know like in but anyway so i passed out free cds and then i got chile Chile. Uh, Chile. So I got a job at Abercrombie and Fitch on Ooh. Fifth Avenue. Uh-huh. I think I was there for about a month. <laughs> and because they were setting up the store, it wasn't fully open and operational the way it is right now. They played the Abercrombie and Fitch music. Gun, 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 oh, gun. yeah. They played it on a 24 hour circle. It was deafening. It was insane. <laughs> but, you know, I would take the 7 a.m. shift. The yeah. seven to, to full jeans for three hours or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly thereafter, I was like, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. And I ended up being a hostess at um, a restaurant called Matt's Grill that used to be at the corner of 55th and 8th Avenue. Mm-hmm. And um, and by hostess, they were like, <laughs> you just stand there and ask people if they're hungry and they'd like to come in. It was so weird. And then a couple of weeks later, I booked Wicked in Chicago. God.
0: So then you went back. You went back home, basically.
1: Well, here's the story. Here's the funny story. So I originally auditioned for the Chicago Company of Wicked um, around St. Patrick's Day. I recently told somebody this. When all of y'all, because I was talking to somebody who was there, there was like, when all of y'all were partying on St. Patrick's Day, I was in Chicago auditioning for Wicked. So crazy. Um, so that's kind of how casting directors also found or the the people at Telsey casting directors kind of put me on the map at first because I was one okay. of those college seniors who was out and auditioning. Uh, when I finally got to New York and signed with my agent, um, you know, the casting directors kind of find where everybody falls and they're like, oh, you got Kate. Great. We want her to come in for an audition for Wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to go to the opening night of in my life, the musical that I handed out CDs for and Craig Burns was standing there and he said, we're going to bring you in for a wicked next week. So I kind of kept having these auditions and it was clear that they wanted me, but they didn't know exactly where I fit. Mm -hmm. And I had, um, I had another audition in November. Maybe that was the Craig Burns audition that he told me about within my life. It's possible, Mm -hmm. but I went in and I auditioned and, um, I was set to fly home for Thanksgiving the next day Mm because that's what you do. And I said, do my agent at the time, do you think I should go? Should I stay? If they're going to ask me to, to come back in, do you think I should go home? And he said, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. It's, you know, nobody's doing any work this week, you know, blah, blah, blah. Get on the plane. No big deal. And I'm at the airport and I called him and I said, okay, I'm going. And he said, all right, cool. I land in chicago phone message you didn't leave yet did you
0: oh my god it's always
1: it's always when you go it's always when you take a vacation it's always that i knew it in my soul i knew it in my soul and i'm like (laughs) i just landed at o'hare he goes well stephen schwartz needs to see you tomorrow
0: holy crap holy
1: crap (laughs) so i get home they arrange for me to fly back tomorrow the day after uh-huh. So the Wicked Company, I've never felt more special in my life, arranges for me to fly back to New York and fly me back in the same day. So uh-huh. I, I fly back to New York, they pick me up in a limo, they drive me to my apartment in Queens so I can pick up an outfit and my repertoire, all my 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 book, my sides, and all that stuff. They drive me to the old Telsey which you don't remember, but it was like on 28th street and they had cats wandering around and the floorboards were like coming apart. And I auditioned for Steven Schwartz and I go back to the airport and I fly home. Wow. And then I wait. And I'm like, it's hurry up and wait. It's like, okay, they wanted to see me. They needed me to come back right away. And now they're going to take their holiday to be <laughs> like, oh, you'll never hear from us again. I waited so long that I waited all the way through the Thanksgiving holiday, returned to New York and was there for several days before hearing anything. Granted, <laughs> I now know that this may be part of the process. Mm-hmm. When I was 22, I was sitting no on the phone like this and I my mom's like you need to get out of the house decide what you want for Christmas and I'm like I don't know um so I went down to Macy's at Herald Square and I was shopping around for things that I had no business buying it was all French connection I loved French connection at that time
0: mm. and
1: uh, I picked out some stuff and I went into the dressing room and my phone rang And my agent told me that I had booked Wicked and they wanted me to join the Chicago company. Uh And I screamed in the dressing room and all these people (laughs) came running. (laughs) It's fine, I just booked Wicked, it's fine. Um, And girl, I bought those things that day. I bought that French Connection crap. You did. I bought that shit. (laughs) And then I called my mom and said, I'm coming home. Hmm. But I was only in New York from... August to November yeah and then I was exactly. back in Chicago for a year and were you Wicked. just
0: were you living were you living back at home and
1: going to to rehearsals and shows heck no no they they housed you out there they did not house me they gave me a relocation fee which okay. is more money than I had ever been handed in my life <laughs> my parents and I my parents were thrilled of course mm-hmm. and we um went downtown and looked at some buildings to possibly live in. And the first one that we saw, we really liked. And like, it was literally one of those things. that so we got back we said, thank you. We got back in the car, we drove around the block and we went, we're going back. We got to get that apartment. Um, so I was living in Chicago, doing Wicked in my own apartment less than a year after graduating from, from Michigan. But this is when we begin the conversation about... Yes. There's no training for when this part of your life happens. Hmm. I went from being a sorority girl to doing a show eight times a week. And not because I was a partier. All my friends know me as like, I can't. I have rehearsal. You know what I mean? We're all at a date night party and I'm like, no kidding. It was a really difficult, hard transition where everybody, all my friends were out in, you know, meeting people, meeting their significant others, going to bars, getting jobs, you know, partying, you know, we're out of college, we're real people now. And I had a I had a hard set job. And I also came from a conservatory training situation where it I was very um I was a good student. Yeah, It was like, you stand at the side of the stage, you don't touch anybody, you don't talk, you're very quiet, you know what I mean? I took it very, very seriously and I still do. But now that I'm 37 years old, I learned to have a little bit more fun or say after a show, I'm gonna go have a drink now. I can do that and not worry about getting thrown on. I took it very seriously. When you do a show like Wicked eight times a week, no vacations you, you miss family stuff. My family was there. You know, when you do a Broadway show, you miss the wedding. You miss the funeral. You miss the birthday party. You miss the anniversary. You just do. You give up a lot. And I don't know how to train people to do that in a college setting, except to just let them know that your life is going to change significantly when Mm. you step into a situation where you do a show eight times a week. You are going to be very focused on your physical health and your mental health and your spiritual health. And if you're anything like me, when I was 22, I had not thought about my mental health or spiritual health. (laughs) I hadn't really thought about any of those things. Mm -hmm. And it was a very large wake up, very large wake up call for me. I urge anybody in their college experience to begin cultivating those relationships, With your mental health, your health, your emotional health, your spiritual health in that time. And to know that when the guy in a chorus line, the movie says, I'll do whatever you want eight times a week forever, it's not just the line. That's what it is. It becomes Mm -hmm. your life. Um, Ben Platt said something really great a number of years ago, which was like, It's just only for a period of time. It's not forever. Every show closes or you move on or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's just for a period of time. But in that period of time you're going to live you're you're going to live a, a different kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Which I think is important for people to know. Doesn't mean it doesn't have to be fun. You're just going to have to like be careful with your voice. You can't go out screaming at a bar. You're some people can do it I could not, you know. Exactly. You have to be really intuitive about your your limits, what works
0: best for you. And then as you said, it sounds like over the years, you have learned this so well, and you know what works for you. And you know that now you can still have fun. You can still do the things you want to do just in, I wouldn't say in moderation, but in just be, by being careful about it so that you, you do put be your best foot forward on stage.
1: Right. And just to be clear with everybody, I was both the Glinda and the Nessa Rose understudy in Wicked in Chicago. So not only wow. was I in the ensemble mm-hmm. every day of the week, you'd get a call the next day at noon being like, you're on for Glinda in two hours. Yeah. And that's a lot. You can't have gone out partying and drinking all night. I mean, maybe some people could have. I I could not have done that. Nor did yeah. I really want to, but- <clears throat>
0: It's that's a lot of pressure.
1: It's a lot of pressure. So yeah. it, it was, it was a lot of pressure for me. It was, and that's okay. Um, but I, nobody really talks about it. Yeah. So I want, I want people to, to know.
0: I mean, since then, Kate, you have done, would you say five Broadway shows Mm-hmm. from that Production, which I guess we would say is probably like your the biggest one that you did out of college. It was right after college, basically. It right was after like your college. Biggest credit right after college. Mm-hmm. But you've since then been in five Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. What is one thing that when I ask you this question, it just sticks out to you? Something that you've learned, like the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way in every one of those shows and beyond, that really that you wish that you could have told Kate at 22 in wicked in chicago
1: oh god there's so many lessons well on tell me thing. what do you think <laughs> well first off is to trust the timing of your life and this isn't just necessarily broadway though this ends up being a lot of my Broadway experiences that these things happened at the right time and to trust the timing of that. But you know, when the Broadway show closes or when you're offered another opportunity, um, maybe to go do something regionally and to be like, well, that means I'm giving up being here in New York to audition, Mm -hmm. you know, and giving up opportunities, but to trust that timing because I've been doing this since I was 15 years old now, everything's okay. (laughs) <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. It might not seem like it in the minute, but it's going to be okay. The second thing I want people to know is you I want you to cultivate a strong base of people that you trust. And those people will change. People will come and they will go and that's the way and that's the way that the world works sometimes. But in order to be authentic to, I mean, I've been making a lot of phone calls this week about some other business stuff. And there's some people that in my life that are either in the business or not in the business. And I say, I need, I need to talk to a, a best friend who gives me the truth, no matter what I need to talk to an older sister figure. I need to talk to somebody who's known who I need to talk to my college roommate Mm-hmm. Who is still my college roommate and was not a musical theater person at the University of Michigan? I called her and be like, I got to run something past you. I got to have a serious conversation with you. But start to cultivate these circles of people that you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing that I have to say, just off the top of my head, before I write my memoir on this, <laughs> it, is it's a business. Mm-hmm. It's a business. And that is really hard sometimes when we care about it so much. It's so hard to be like, I don't want to do this show because it won't make me enough money. Mm. That's a hard thing to say still. It's like, no, but I want the experience of doing the show. Well, it doesn't fit into my overall goal of wanting to add money to my 401k. Someday Mm. I want to be a mother. So I got to freeze my eggs. And you want to know what? $400 a week isn't going to cut it right now. So I got to do something else. Or saying, I don't want to go out of town anymore. Or taking the leap and say, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I want to have this experience. I don't even speak the language of the place that I'm going. (laughs) But I'm going to do it. And that's and I'm going to do it for business reasons, because I want to add it to my, I want to be known as an international actor, singer, dancer. This also comes up with representation a lot. It's a business. You want them to be your friends and you like them as your friends and you trust them. But at the end of the day, it's business. I would actively like to work to get rid of the and, that, and that's why I, I, it's hard for me to say it's just business because some of it's crap. Mm-hmm. The way that actors and their creative contributions are used in our industry is crap sometimes. And everybody likes to go, well, it's just business, you know? And there's part of me that wants to say, well, it's 2020, almost 2021, and we've learned this year that we need to treat each other better. Yeah. So... When I say it's a business, I do not mean it's just business. We need to treat each other. We do need to treat each other and our contributions well and with respect. But remember that it's not all fun and games and we're not in the play. You know, it's not it's not the high school play. This is this is a business Um, and you should treat it as such. I feel like I just rambled a bunch, but um... yeah. But
0: it, it's just so important, especially the last part about it being a business because things, first of all, things are very subjective and there's nothing you can do about it. A lot right. of the time, this, this stuff that happens, I learned a lot of this uh, just assisting at a casting office. I learned yep. how subjective the industry is and how stupid it is because it's so subjective. I mean, everyone has a different opinion and you can't control that. That's one thing that actors simply can't control. They never will be. Yes. Able to. Yes. But you're absolutely right. There's other things in the business that need to change. And I hope they do. It looks like they're they're going to. I really hope so after the pandemic, because we learned so much during this time, especially away from live theater, away from the grind, away from auditions. In the meantime, I just want to thank you so much, Kate, for sharing your story. And oh,
1: God. thank you. I thank could
0: talk you. to you for ages, but you're just so wise. And I know you also have coaching. Yes,
1: I do coach. Um, I'm an acting coach, just to be very specific it. about it. Um, it, because I don't want people to get the impression that we're going to do scales when we work together. I don't. Um, <laughs> my, my gift is with is with prep. Uh, Audition is with with acting tech, uh, acting technique and prep. Um, I get a lot of students that come to me that are like, I'm feeling very phlegmy today. And I, I kind of don't know. And I'm like, shh, 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 shh. We're not even going to talk about that today. So many students have lost the fun in acting and storytelling because they're so worried about what they sound like.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm, I don't want that to happen. If we're not having fun, there isn't any point to what we're doing. Amen. Which is a very hard lesson, again, that I learned, you know, like doing Wicked in Chicago. Was I having any fun? No. Mm. I was not. If we're not having any fun, it's not worth it. We need to be able to to do that. And um, so, I mean, I can't necessarily guarantee that you're going to have the best time of your life when you coach with me, but, (laughs) but we're... But we're gonna talk about life, and we um, we always return to the lyric, and then I try to draw personal experiences um, from from who I'm working with, and say, oh, this is what this song is about for you. Now I know who you are. Mm-hmm. This is what makes you special singing this song. Um, I love doing uh, repertoire. I, I love um, helping assisting people with their repertoire as well. Uh, that takes a little bit of getting to know somebody and oh, yeah. their voice and their tendencies and, and that kind of stuff too. But um, yes, I, uh, excuse me, I coach through uh, ETA, artist.com mm-hmm. and I teach through artisanbeyond.com So you just Amazing. look up my name. You can also go to my website, www.katelopress.com, under contact, go to the contact page. And right there, there's a little picture of me right in the top bar and it says coaching in a little box and you click on it. And that's how you can find me. for cooking. Amazing,
0: good. I, I mean, I really respect you and admire you, Kate. And I just wanted to thank you again for sharing your your wisdom with us.
1: I hope you guys got something out of it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I was like, I'm prepared to have a, a fun chat with Maggie, and we got like, we got deep about life. We got real, but hey. that's and I'm you know I'm drinking coffee. We got real. We're reading tarot cards. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You tell your nice, crazy, beautiful family that I say hello, and um, you uh, you say hi to your sister and your grandpa for me. If
0: you enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, bringing you behind the scenes of the theater industry. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village.